0: This week, Michael and I battled opponents in a martial arts tournament. But man, those eight-year-olds were tougher than we expected. So while we nursed our wounds, we watched Enter the Dragon.
1: Welcome back to How Did You Miss This, a podcast where we watch classic movies that some of us missed the first time around. I'm Evan Toller hickey and with me as always, Michael Hansen and Chris DeShane. And this week, I have forced my friends to watch a movie that I absolutely love, 1973's Enter the Dragon, starring Bruce Lee. Uh, This is one of the most important kung fu films ever made, which begs the question, Chris, how did you miss this uh yeah i am not the biggest
0: lover of kung Fu movies um i I have heard so much about this movie and uh, you know that how vaunted it is that I think I just figured that it would not live up to the hype that had been built up for it and just not being a lover in general. I'm like, I can live without it, I think. So uh, it was an interesting watch for me. I think it's, uh, you know, well, I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, Michael, how about you? How did you miss this?
2: Well, it's an interesting one because I, I missed this entirely age wise. So it, I, I was not young enough to watch it. It came out the year after I was born later, it wasn't available for me to be able to rent on, you know, VHS. And then much later after that, I think I missed the the train completely because then it was just like old and outdated. But I really do look forward to talking about this because seeing it now, there's so many influences in video games and other movies and and music that I think it's just been uh, really, really cool to watch. So uh, I don't know how I missed it really, but I'm glad we watched it.
0: Awesome. Well, I think uh, that's a good point to maybe talk a little bit about how this movie got made before we talk about what we thought about it. So, uh, Evan, do you want to run us down how this thing came together?
1: Sure. This is coming at a really, really interesting time uh, in cinema, both in America and in Hong Kong. Um, The Shaw Brothers um, was a studio in Hong Kong that had been dominating Hong Kong cinemascape at that time. And they were the main studio pumping out tons of films and where a lot of classic Kung Fu films come out of this new kind of upstart studio starts called Golden Harvest and their major star, a man named Bruce Lee, Golden Harvest puts him in some films and he is phenomenal. And just really starts taking that studio uh, and and elevating it. The really cool thing about Enter the Dragon is that this is the first American and uh, sort of Hong Kong joint kung fu film to come out first production between a Western studio, Warner brothers and Asian filmmakers. So it's shot in Hong Kong, uh, and then actually gets, um, release in the United States, um, under the, the Warner brothers banner. So this is like kind of a big deal because, uh, you know, not only is an American studio taking that chance and, uh, putting a, its name behind a martial arts film. And this was before martial arts films had any real resonance um, in mainstream American popular culture. Um, But also let's not, you know, Play any of this down is that like this is platforming like a, a an actual diverse cast with with an asian American man at the center of it. Um, this is a really big deal in in filmmaking, and from it, Bruce Lee becomes a massive star, even though he dies just days before the release of this movie in the states at the age of thirty two and kicks off a huge you know, wave that will that resonates today. I we we don't get John Wick 4 without Enter the Dragon. Yeah, I I think
0: it's one of those interesting things, like to your point, Evan, it's the um the the production and casting of this movie uh is very clearly intent um on seeing this film not just as a Hong Kong action movie, but as a as a global phenomenon. Uh, they have Bruce Lee, who's this growing star, like you're saying, but then they cast uh, John Saxon and Jim Kelly. Uh, you got a little bit for everybody. It was um filmed with people speaking in English uh the the trend there was always to overdub your movie regardless but the actors performed in English uh and then uh, like it was this intent of like we know this is going to be bigger than just Hong Kong and we've got Warner Brothers signed on and this is going to be the next big thing like this is this is on its way to making it a uh, uh, a big global phenom and to your point I think the, the the thing that adds even more fuel to the fire of this is You know, the untimely death of Bruce Lee right before this movie comes out. Like, it's just that that extra little bit uh, that I think just makes it that much more of a a sensation when it came out. Uh, The amazing thing, too, is to your point, like this, this is a a big deal. This is... like a, a an international sensation. Uh, when it came out, it was um, well-received globally. It was one of the top movies of the year in basically every market around the world. Uh, it made over $100 million on its initial release, but it was re-released a number of times over the years. So it made over $400 million, which when you adjust it for inflation, is worth about $2 billion today, which is a whole boatload of money, especially when you factor in that they made this on a budget of under 1 million bucks. So like 400 to one return is, uh, one of the highest, uh, returns, like, uh, you know, investment to, to pay ratios of movies of all times, highest grossing martial arts movie of all time. And of course, kind of as you, as you were saying there, I mean, it's, it's one of those, um, like all time, uh, well-regarded classic, Kung Fu films. And it's got an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes today. And obviously just a hugely enduring cultural impact, both from uh, the film itself, references to it, and even some of the music. So I'd be curious to know, um, you know, now that you've seen it, Michael, like what were your thoughts on seeing Enter the Dragon for the first time?
2: I was kind of set on not liking it. I have to be honest. I thought it is it's really cheaply made. It's like you said about the uh, audio. Again, kind of commented a little bit about um, foley before adding the the sound effects, the the voice syncing, who they picked to do certain things. Like there are a lot of things about this to not like. But then as I watched it, I I thought there was more and more about it that. Felt really genuine in terms of some of the messaging and uh, what he wanted to get across with it. You already touched on the the multicultural aspect. Um, Some characters are extremely two dimensional, maybe even one dimensional, but other ones have much more depth to them. And there's a story and a core that drives it that I think is very interesting. So I ended up liking it more and more and more as I went. Uh, for so many reasons. And uh, so, so yeah, like I, I, I'm going to walk away with this with a pretty good feel. I would not have picked this on my own. Um, And I was, to be honest, a little bit set against it in the beginning, but, but I'm glad I watched it.
1: Now, Chris, um, you're actually a a practitioner of martial arts. Um, What do you think about having seen this movie now as, as a not fan of the cinema genre? Um, so I think I think I th-
0: like this movie more for what it did than for what it is. Uh you know like to to your, the point you made like it's the first time you have uh, uh an Asian being cast as the leading role. Um you know it's bringing a style of film that hasn't been well regarded or regarded at all I guess in a lot of cases uh to the forefront um you know it, it it is definitely the 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 foot in the door for a lot of stuff that i think was great to michael's point there's some there's a lot of stuff that is maybe not my favorite about it, including a lot of the fight scenes, um, because I think there's just, I don't know, an invincible Bruce Lee, you know, he he barely gets touched in the entire movie, you know, knocks everybody out in one punch, all that kind of stuff. So it's not my favorite from a martial arts movie perspective. But I, I like I, I appreciate so much what this movie did, even though I don't love the movie itself. It's okay. Fair enough. But I'm not.
1: I I agree that this is uh, very much an imperfect film and I love it for it.
0: The more imperfect, the more
1: Evan loves it. I mean, I feel like we're, (laughs) I feel like we're, we're uh, finding a trend here.
0: Uh, And maybe that's a good point to take a quick break. And on the other side, when we come back, we'll talk about some of those imperfections. (laughs) Hey, you're back and welcome back. So uh, we're going to get into all the ins and outs of this movie. So if you don't want spoilers, then, you know, those are coming. So for those of you who want a recap of what this movie is all about, this movie follows a martial artist appropriately named Lee. Uh, He's recruited by the British intelligence to infiltrate a martial arts tournament run by the crime lord. Han. So Lee travels to Han's private Island where he faces off against opponents in this tournament and under the cover of night, secretly delves into the operations of Han's illegal empire. He finds out all about all these illegal activities and is eventually caught and forced to face off against the toughest opponents of all. So this is a movie that for me is first and foremost about one person. And that person is Bruce Lee. So maybe heck yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Michael, maybe to you, since this is kind of your first time uh, uh, on the ride here, what did you think of Bruce Lee in this movie?
2: It's uh it's a little bit tricky because I, I know, I know a few things about what he was trying to do with the cinema in the first place. I, I understand that he's very genuine about wanting to spread the whole art of Kung Fu, um, not just the, the physical side of it, but also some of the teachings. And I think that, um, the whole thing around doing that in the movies as a way to spread it, I think he was very genuine about it. And I think that comes through in this. I think that there are a lot of parts of this movie where they, uh, add in these teachings and comments and thoughts to say, it's more than just, you know, who can punch the hardest. So I, I like that aspect of him. He's not a great actor. Um, in some ways, because I don't think that the, the voice always works. And, and certainly the voice effects make it really silly. But I think that he's crazy compelling. And that, I don't think that... Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think we've seen a physique like this uh, in the 50 years since. Like, there's just something really, really outlandish about him. is unbelievable, um, <laughs> the shape he's in for this movie.
1: The fact that he can, like puff up to like twice his size when he flexes blows my mind every time
0: yeah there's there's a bunch of stuff too in the martial arts world too about um how bruce lee has a less than ideal physique because he got bigger in muscles you shouldn't get bigger in so that he'd look better on film too uh there's certain muscles that are good for punching and other ones that are good for posing uh and he had to get some of those posing muscles a little bigger for some of the films but like i will say that he is for me um Uh, definitely very like magnetic and just watching him on film. I can see why he was this up and coming uh, movie star. And especially, you know, for somebody who's just in his thirties, just really at the beginnings of things, it, it really raises the question of like, how much more could there have been? Because he's, I I will say the best part of this movie for me. Um, There's lots of other stuff that I don't love, but like watching Bruce Lee, he's pretty compelling. He's pretty engaging. He's um, obviously really good (laughs) at all the stuff he's doing here too. So it's really great to watch. And to Michael's point, like I think he does that balancing act about promoting the martial art while still, um, you know, making it interesting, making it exciting, making it, you know something that other people can kind of like watch without it just being a total like, Oh, what's the technique? What's he doing? How's he doing?
1: It's like, I don't know. He kicked the guy in the head. It was awesome. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I, one of my favorite things watching Bruce Lee in this movie is not when he's fighting. It's when he's sneaking around because the cat like grace that this man possesses blows my mind. Every time I watch the film He seems to be able to uh, walk without making a sound, and I know it's because he wasn't miked. But there, he really (laughs) just every every time he makes a jump or uh, a a roll to avoid being detected. um, It's just watching him is like watching an olympic gymnast or or a, a ballet
2: dancer. And and this is what i meant around like the there's so many ups and downs with this because you say that but then there are also those scenes start to get into like Austin Powers territory because why is he sneaking after these people? He could have just waited 30 more seconds and the guards would be gone, but he sneaks after them and it's so over the top. He does it incredibly well, but it's like the movie then gets into you know, what, what are you actually trying to do? So like there's this weird mix between amazing performance, uh, incredible kind of like physical presence, but some strange directing choices, uh, I think throughout.
0: Well, I think it's a little bit of one of those interesting things about this movie because it's, you know, part martial arts movie, part spy movie, part exploitation movie, part like exploitation
1: it's a- movie. Yeah, well is, okay. This well, is
0: all exploitation movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's three movies jammed into one all for, oh, for the price of whatever it cost in 1973. But I mean, I, I think to your point, Evan, my, my favorite parts of this movie are actually where it's like, oh, let's make a, a James Bond movie and have him sneaking gra- you know, around in an underground lair, which I, that's partly why I found it a little like, oh, we're going back to the tournament again. Oh, darn. I don't want to watch another one of these fights where somebody gets their head stomped on. Uh, I'd rather have a little more intrigue or whatever. Because I found, like you're saying, like that's probably the best part of of this movie is where he's, you know, spying around, creeping around, finding out what's going on, um, as opposed to like another another fight scene. I feel like there maybe could have been a little bit less about that.
1: I think I think one of the other things that we shouldn't downplay in this film um, that has some incredible physical. Um, action and stunts, uh, is the, the charm of, uh, John Saxon and Jim Kelly together as well. I think as a trio, Lee Roper and Williams, um, are really compelling group of dudes to follow and really gives you that kind of I mean, it gives this film a, a, a cool that uh, so many other films lack. Like, this is a
2: cool film. Oh, when when Williams arrives in Hong Kong, that is one of the coolest sequences. Music, him walking around. And it just like it sets a tone that is very hard to beat. And I think that they do that extremely well. Then, of course, they do these... Some flashbacks don't work quite as well. Uh, some changes, like some of the scenes on the island don't work quite as well, but it's definitely a cool movie. No doubt about it.
0: I, I will say that for me, there's parts that are where I, I appreciate those uh, actors more and parts where it was the part where we're like, this is where we say something cool now. And they say something and I'm like, oh. No, nope, that wasn't it. That's not what you were hoping for, I don't think. I think for me, um, John Saxon was probably a little bit more successful in his role than Jim Kelly was for me. Um, I, I found Roper was a little bit more compelling. I also um, was reading up a little that to get him into the film. He, they had to rewrite parts of it because he was like, no, no, my character isn't going to die. You can kill the other guy, not me. Uh, so there was some tweaks and changes that actually happened to, to those characters, but uh, I found I liked him a little bit better. Um, I found Williams had the lines that made me laugh more, though. Uh, <laughs> you know, not necessarily because I was supposed to laugh, I don't think. But um, I, did, I did find that the part I found a little bit weird was the three of them headlined, but... Um, like Bruce Lee never really hangs out with Williams. Like they don't really ever have time together. Like okay,
1: he doesn't really hang out with with Roper either. But they do a really great job of a quick solidification of the uh, relationship between those two characters. And they hop on the the uh, junk, and uh, and they're like, "Whoa, what you've been up to since Nam." And it's like, and and since we've seen Platoon, we know that, uh, boy, that's really going to either bring them together or tear them apart. They seem genuinely happy to see
2: each other. But that's the thing that they do really well in this. They, they tackle some pretty big topics. Cause like you say, here you have like these two people who clearly have like this kinship um, and and there's nothing to it. You have a scene where there's a, a white guy on the, the junk who is acting and I it was completely ridiculous. It made no sense why he's attacking this, <laughs> this, um, uh, Chinese Hong Kong, uh, servant person. But then the, you know, what happens to him is terrific. Like it just sets the tone like, okay, well, these are the values. This is what Bruce Lee is willing to like do and and stand up for. Like I thought that was a br- brilliant scene. It's like a big commentary on, race but with a little bit of humor in there and I thought like wow 50 years ago good for you the
1: art of fighting without fighting uh I I found I
0: was wishing a little bit that this was a little bit more (laughs) this is going to sound like a funny thing but a little more Bruce Lee centric and that the uh the other characters played a little less of a role kind of getting back to that like I found the tournament to be too much of a thing. And these guys each having big roles and big fights and whatever in the tournament and having their own side stories to be a little distracting. I was, I wish there was a little less of that. I thought they were fine. They just weren't my favorite part, but maybe speaking of the tournament, uh, really the, the, you know, nine tenths of this movie and what it's really about, like movies about fight scenes and like,
2: tell me about the fight scenes. What did you think of them? It's hard to look at these fight scenes now because they've evolved so far it's like looking at the first um the original star wars movie and see how they do the lightsabers compared to what they've done with the the most recent ones like it's it's a galaxy far far away right like that separates the the two worlds and i think it's the same here i could not get over the the sounds and uh some of the things that they do but at the same time i kind of have to to chuckle because you know i'm um I got the first uh, PlayStation when it came out. I've been playing the the different fighting games, Tekken games uh, ever since. And I see all of these influences throughout. So I can kind of go, oh yeah, that, that thing. Like it It's incredible. So it's hard for me to look at it just on its own merit through the lens of, you know, everything has uh, evolved in the past 50 years and also seeing the influences and everything has come from it. That said, when I look at them, I go, they really suffer from this old, what uh, but, but the old Western movies used to do, which is I'm going to punch you and then I'm going to wait and then you're going to get a turn and punch me and then we're going to do these things. Yeah. And it's just, it's so unconvincing. Everybody at one at a to, time, please line up for your I, turn to try to hit but, me. Yeah. But I have to remind myself that this is like a 50-year-old movie and that is that's just something on its own. Uh, I think for me, some of the challenges I
0: had around the fight scenes were... um there was a lot of them. Number one, there, there was a lot. Uh, and there was a lot of, especially for Bruce Lee's fight scenes, the invincible hero where he can't, can't really be injured, knocks everybody out in one hit to your point, Michael too. It's like everybody politely lines up to take their turn, getting punched in the face by him, uh, and being knocked out immediately. So for me, there was a little bit of that, like, uh, that made the stakes i felt in all of the fight scenes not feel very high because you know you watch him knock out the first 400 guys in one hit and you're like well probably the next 400 are going to go down in one shot as well yeah um, so i found even the you know climactic fight scene with han you know i feel like the air had been taken out of it because you know he couldn't be wounded or touched really so um yeah that's I'll, I'll, maybe one of the flaws for me.
2: I'll say it a little bit differently. I actually thought that it makes sense. It's a little bit like in a in a again in a video game. You want the final boss fight there for him to be injured. It makes sense. to says, "Oh yeah, of course," because Han is like the ultimate one. The one that didn't make sense to me was O'Hara. The one that didn't make sense for him is I expected him to put up more of a fight. Like that buildup had been longer coming and it was just like, I don't even know what's going on. Or it seems too simple. Yeah. That was a disappointment to me, but it actually made sense that everyone else were just basic, you know, cannon fodder because it's the main guy at the end. That's what you're building up towards. And that's where he gets injured for the first time.
1: Yeah, I agree with you entirely, Michael, in terms of uh, the O'Hara stuff that, it could have been fully excised from the movie, um, and nothing would be lost, including Lee's need to uh, fight Han because he is an yeah. ex Shaolin monk from the monastery that Lee is from, and has sullied that monastery's name. So he's already got the reason. To go for honor. The fact that O'Hara has killed his sister as well, and then is very, very quickly dispatched with um, completely unneeded in this film. All of that said, I have to sort of put myself back into like, what would an audience watching this in 1973 in the States? be feeling be be wanting to see um be excited for and having not seen all the things that had been coming out of china from shaw brothers or the earlier um golden harvest films being like really blown away with just you know the kick into o'hara's chest that sends him you know flying backwards or um you know even watching uh, watching Bruce Lee jump up in the air and come down on O'Hara's head, and you not seeing it, but his face contorted in all of the pain uh, that he's sort of getting out there, and also how uh, hard it is for him to take a life at that point. And that being seeing that up on a big screen, nineteen seventy three. You know, the summer heat, you're escaping that and you're seeing this really kind of wild thing that you haven't seen before. I think that like all the fight scenes that we find really slow right now, that audience would be like, oh, my God,
0: I I think it's an interesting thing, because one of the things is um, Robert Klaus, who directed this, wound up getting uh, this job, partly because Bruce Lee had seen some of his direction uh, in other films. And those Um, other fight scenes that he directed were real like knock down drag out the two guys like just beat the hell out of each other and trash an entire room as they brawl back and forth and both of them come out of it just like an absolute mess. Uh, so, I mean, I, 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 I can totally hear the, like, you know, what are you expecting out of especially somebody who's supposed to be this like super duper martial artist. I, I just think it's an interesting thing for this director to come in and, and, you know, a lot of these fight scenes were choreographed by Bruce Lee himself. Um, and I'm wondering if something is lost by making this what's the right way to put it by making him invincible rather than able to surmount the challenges that are laid out in front of him. Because I think the O'Hara thing who killed his sister, although really the sister killed herself, but that's a whole other thing um, like that would have been a more interesting plot line if he was actually a difficult boss like he was like a tutorial boss mm-hmm. you know like you're learning how to play the game and it's like all right press press a then press b oh you beat him congratulations that was easy now we'll get to the real game like that's what i kind of wish i'd seen a little bit at least at points and i do feel like there's definitely a lot of like a lot of yes anding when they were writing this like yeah and let's tell him before he goes to the island that his sister also got killed by one of these guys yeah and also let's make the guy be producing heroin onto the island yeah and let's make it in international waters so that they can't show up and just raid it with the army yeah so there's a lot of those like I'm like okay there's there's maybe a little much maybe a little much maybe we could have parred this down but if he did trim it down it probably would have been like a 60 minute yeah. movie <laughs> uh, so you know I, I get, I get this some stuff there but um i think that's that's kind of the fascinating part because I, I do still think that when you see bruce lee doing martial arts there's just like a like f yeah this is this is a dude who doesn't even if you see him do the head stomp i think it was three times in the movie uh or maybe he did it twice and then bolo young did it once and you're like okay i've seen the same move Maybe we could do something else. Uh, maybe there's some variety here. I will say some of the fight scenes. My favorite fight scene in the movie uh, is the one where Bolo Young seems to kill one of the the um, guards uh, who by was getting by punished. By like a baby? By, yeah, basically rocking him like a baby. Even it didn't look that uncomfortable. And then the guy's just squashed and dead. So that's one of the questions I have for each of you is do... Do you have a favorite fight scene from this film?
1: I, I have uh, a, a favorite kick that I watch over and over and over again, and it's right before uh, Han runs into the mirror room where Bruce Lee kicks an obvious dummy of <laughs> in the air uh, uh, of Han, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but. Bruce Lee goes from standing still to having done a roundhouse kick in like three frames. It's, it's the crazy, the speed and force at which he kicks that dummy is so exciting to watch. Also when he has the nunchucks is great.
2: For me, I think, and, and this was so weird In a way, I hated the mirror scene so much because you picture it and you go, you know, just because someone might look like I don't know where you are, you can still hear them, right? So if someone hits you, they can't just disappear the next second just because they're out of sight in the mirror. But at the same time, I really, really enjoyed that scene. I thought it was very clever. It was really interesting. Uh, It was a great way to kind of like play at the end with, okay, so now you, you have to have your other senses really kick into gear because I can't just defeat everyone until he did this thing around uh, the the illusion, remove the illusion of the enemy and then you can kind of find them and he destroys every mirror. So for me, like that, that was actually my favorite fight sequence, even though it also was incredibly annoying in many ways. I think, I think, I mean, to, to, you know, what we've kind of talked about, there's that
0: um, paying uh, or seeing this movie play out in popular culture now, because I mean, how many other movies have you seen have these battles in, you know, mirrored rooms you know john wick did that in john wick 2 john wick 3 john 3 wick i want to say
1: two, i think
0: yeah i do, yeah john wick 2 because yeah that's right um where there's the whole battle scene as they go through the mirrored space and you know where is he really i i think again some of the stakes came out of that fight for me just because han stabs him in the back with giant razor blade wolverine claws and it you know scratches him um okay cool uh for me i will say the the my favorite fight is just when he is um in the underground you know drug den lair uh and he's just going through a bunch of guys he you know he breaks out sticks he gets uh the nunchucks and that whole sequence of of stuff um as he goes through where he kills jackie chan Uh, Yeah, multiple times in there, too, because that was actually going to be one of the things I was going to ask you is, did you how many times did each of you see Jackie Chan in
1: this movie? Like uh, twice, I think. I know that Bruce Lee accidentally punched him in the face and like like straight up, like like clocked him. And uh, yeah, and and one of Jackie Chan's favorite memories is Bruce Lee being like, oh, man, like, like, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay?" Like you know, and holding him.
2: I have to say, I, I did not recognize him in any of them. I, I read the same thing uh, about where he is and what happened, but I did not recognize him. And then later I was like, oh yeah, but I, I did not pick it up uh, at all um, when I watched it.
0: Yeah. This is um, a film that uh, has a number of martial artists who go on to have great, careers either, um, you know, globally like Jackie Chan or a number who star in a, a whole boatload of, um, you know, successful martial arts movies. Cause you have, uh, Bolo young, Samo Hong, like a, bu- a bunch of folks who are, um, you know, great. Like I remember seeing, uh, blood sport, uh, with Bolo young in it. Um, and you know, like he's such an iconic character, uh, in that movie that it's, it's, you know, really cool to be able to connect the dots back in this kind of lineage of, um, you know, great martial arts actors and, and, um, you know, movies that kind of led up to that point. So it's, it's pretty cool to see those folks coming out of this. I think one of the things that I would love to talk about is just the story. I mean, we've already kind of, touched on it i think the story makes just enough sense to get you from a to Z. uh you know okay to evan's point he's a bad guy he was part of our order um you know go go fix it there's some plot holes that you could you know get bruce lee to drop kick somebody through but that's okay i think one of the biggest questions for me though about this story is do the elements which you know there's a lot of exploitation in this movie. Do those parts of it still hold up? I know it's par for the time, but is this still a a 2023 kind of thing that you're like, yeah, I could I could recommend this to my, you know, Gen Z uh, nephew or something and
1: be okay? I think that you have to put a number of uh, disclaimers in in front of it. Um, I mean, again, we talked about how. One of the really cool things about this movie is that it does platform at its center an Asian American man. And, you know, you also have, uh, you know, Jim Kelly there, uh, you know, who will go on to be Black Belt Jones, um, you know, really in his first role. I think he was he was a, a late replacement for uh, the part of Williams and. Um, that said, I'd like, I feel like of all of the three characters, like Williams feels like he's kind of done the dirtiest of them all. You know, he's, he's yeah. already made the decision to get into the tournament when he gets into the fight with the racist white cops. So it's not like he's like running from the law. Um, it's great to see him beat up racist cops. Um, but his, like his sort of backstory was kind of the the one that had the least amount of like this is the reason why you are going to the island, and then he sort of gets short shrift, well by being murdered,
2: um, yeah, you know, uh, framed. Yeah, framed, framed,
1: and, and and Han doesn't seem to to feel bad about that at all.
2: I think that's a good point. Like the, I was thinking about that earlier to say like the, what I liked was the setup. It's like, there was an element of desperation. Everyone's there because it's their sort of like the, the final option, but you're right. Like they, they didn't really set it up with Williams the same way they could have, uh, and they did not. But they also show this tr- incredible character with him of not giving up Lee when he had a chance. So he's just like sticks with his, with his uh, beliefs and, and goals for that. So I thought that was very good. But but your question around like, would you recommend this? I think the my caution of recommending would be more around just the the merits of it being a good movie, bad movie, more so than than the other things. I and I thought about this a fair amount with you know this exploitation of of the women. They bring them in and it's like, oh, here, have your pick. But then I stopped myself and I thought, well. How many movies do we still see that have the exact same thing when you have a drug lord, someone of importance and say, oh, here, make, make good use of everything in my house, in my bar, in my whatever, like including the the women like that. That's the theme that keeps going on. So, you know, I had, kind of had to catch myself and go like, yeah, that's really 70s, but it's also today. So I think more so being clear around those things and then maybe... Like we have a bit of a theme on on this podcast. Like these are pretty dude-centric movies. Um, so maybe more from that perspective. But, you know, like I I yeah, I think with the right qualifier, this would be an easy one to recommend. I
0: I I I found it just interesting from that perspective because you have that that uh stretch with Lee's sister where you're getting that flashback about you know, how O'Hara and his gang killed her. I'm like, I don't know. She seemed like she could have taken 99% of the people in in the tournament. I, I, It would have been great to have seen her or the other secret agent whose name I'm blanking on who was on the island or just like, you know, okay, there was space for it. I mean, I get it. It's 1973 and it's the first, you know, action movie that's making in North America from you know, Hong Kong. Cool. But I I definitely felt like I was like, Oh, I'm a little, I don't know. I don't know how well it holds up, but I will say, uh, Williams, uh, definitely has some of my favorite lines from the movie. Even if his story feels a little bit like, uh, you know, thrown in or, 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 you know, cut, cut a little short in places. Uh, I will say that his line around like, man, you're straight out of a comic book, like did make me almost fall off the couch laughing about it. Um, There is some dialogue in this movie that is just like right over the top, like Bruce Lee going, going over a wall over the top. Um, Are there any lines that stand out for each of you in this movie that just like, you can't you can't stop saying to your kids around the house?
1: Uh, heck yeah. You know, uh when when O'Hara punches the board in half and Bruce Lee's just like boards don't fight hit back, you know, or what yeah. <laughs> like great, love it.
2: I actually like the the more philosophical thing. I, I really like the little teaching that Lee did with his young pupil when when he was talking about like, you know, um if you point at the the moon, like don't focus on the, the finger or you're going to miss the, the majesty the moon. of the, the moon itself. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, uh, those types of lines I actually thought worked. It was nice that they built that in. They didn't have to. But I think back to my earlier point, like where he, I think he was genuine about wanting to get some of these principles and, and ideas across. And I think it worked well.
0: All right. Well, I think that's probably a good spot to take another quick break. And on the other side, we can talk maybe a little bit about how this movie sounds. We'll be right back. And welcome back. So uh One of the things that obviously stands out about this movie is the way it sounds. This is a a movie that was uh, dubbed uh, with no surprise. That was the norm for Hong Kong movies. It was incredibly expensive uh, to get the gear and equipment that you needed to record on set. It also took a lot more time. So basically every Kung Fu movie is filmed without sound and then dubbed uh, in in post-production. So it's definitely one of the things that stands out. How, How did both of you find the dubbing and just the sound effects and everything that goes on in post-production uh for enter the dragon
1: i think that for me it is kind of again like a classic of the genre the the dubbing is bad but works i mean works works better than it does in in a lot of the other dubbed films because the actors are speaking english and it for the most part is the actor's being voiced by the actors who play them, I think Han might be the notable exception, um, but yeah. uh, but everybody else, like that, that is Bruce Lee speaking his lines, and that's John and that's Jim Kelly. Um, the you know, and I I love the you know those sounds, and the you know the big what you know hits and crazy kind of like clack slaps that they use for, for yeah, the punches. Yeah. I, it's just, it's fun. I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. I am pretty sure Michael hates it, but uh, I will let him uh, maybe surprise me.
2: I mostly hate it because I thought <laughs> it was even... With all of those things, I think it's just sloppily done. There's so many mistimed things. I think that the the it's really not well done. And I think that part of the reason we love these things now, like what you say, the sound effects of the fighting, is because they become classic over time. But I think they're just ridiculous. The the sounds of punching people, like they just make no sense whatsoever. And then I think also the what you were saying around the actors, I, I, I really did like that. But why is that the one person? So his actual master uh, has this really, really crazy American accent. Lee, you must go to this place and do that. Like it just—it makes no sense. Like everyone else gets to have a, a different accent, but this one, uh, who is supposed to be the most proto uh, Chinese Shaolin master, speaks with a very, very wise American accent that just made zero sense to me. The other part of sound though, like in this, it'd be very interesting you don't to hear know his story. <laughs> That's right. To hear the the what you both think is, is is about the music. I already kind of played my hand a little bit earlier by talking about it, but I'd be really interested in the other side of the the uh, the sound thing, which is the soundtrack.
1: Love it. I, I listen to the soundtrack a fair amount. Uh you you've both heard me say i think it puts the foo in funk it's it's scored by uh, Lala lalo who's most famously the composer of the mission impossible theme song um, the, i i i really really dig this insane soundtrack it's it's so bad and so great and it makes me really happy I
0: I will say, so, you know, having grown up a very big uh, fan of hip hop, that often my favorite part of many kung fu films has always been the soundtracks uh, because there's often some really catchy songs on there that wind up getting sampled by the Wu-Tang Clan or something. And then you're like, oh, that's where it came from. Uh, so for me, this is probably actually one of the parts that I enjoyed the most is just the like, oh, cool. That's actually a pretty, that's pretty a catchy little thing. Hey, that's a good one. Hey, that's another good one. So there's, there's definitely a lot of like very funky little like songs going on throughout this that I was like all right cool I could get down with this this is this is cool so um probably one of my what's the right way to put it Co- most consistent things about this movie is the soundtrack like it's um throughout it's consistent there's always kind of the right kind of tunes going on for the scene like I really like the scoring uh, for this, uh, and it was great. Like, I, I, no complaints. My, my one, po- no notes, no notes for the music, otherwise, lots of
2: complaints. But in this area, I'm like, good, it's great. Couldn't agree with you more. Like, I think that the music is such a good blend of. It does the the funk. It does. I, I didn't even realize what you mentioned around the Mission Impossible, but it makes so much sense that spy influence, and then also building in something from the the Far East. I think that this made me so happy to listen to. And like you say, it really helps to to gel it all together from start to finish because it's the one constant, like you say, and it's just, it. it's, I don't know what this would be like without it, but I'm, I was so pleased to listen to it.
1: Yeah, I think it really adds to the cool of the whole film.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: so I have a few questions for each of you that maybe I'm hoping you can help me understand before we go. Why was there a basement full of prisoners? I think that
1: he was trying to Test his drugs on the prisoners?
0: I thought he was testing the drugs on the women who he was turning into prostitutes and shipping off. Maybe. I don't know. Because at at one point, he's like, who are these guys? He's like, oh, a bunch of, you know. People who've
1: lost their will to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People who are lost their way and stuff. And I was like, Okay. Oh, I mean, I think the honest answer would have been, these guys are here so that we can have a giant battle in a few hours. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, cool. makes sense. I just, I have no idea why those guys were there. And I'm like, there's so many of them.
2: And in the final battle, it's really convenient that they were all dressed in the same colors that you could tell, you know, the good guys and the bad guys apart. Yeah, exactly. I also thought one of the, the weirdest lines in the entire movie was, help me. I am 17. I'm from California. Like yes, that was, that was just upsetting. upsetting. It was so <laughs> weird yeah. it's like okay thank you I guess that's fascinating I'm gonna carry on now and continue to fight these evil people I guess and I'll be back maybe
0: yeah there's a few points for me that was one of those cringy points um Okay, so one of the questions for me, too, was uh, I think one of the interesting things they did in this movie was they did the POV uh, Kung Fu cam uh, where you had a whole bunch of fight scenes viewed from, you know, one of the fighters perspectives and you see the feet kind of coming out from the side of the camera and stuff. If you could do the POV Kung Fu cam for one thing that you do in your everyday
1: life, what would you use your POV cam for? Oh, God, I wouldn't like, use the POV cam for anything. It, I mean, like <laughs> super stylized, action worthy. No, I, like, I I mean, I don't I don't like the POV cam in in this in this film. <laughs> um, Me I neither. I think it's perfectly cheesy and it works, but I, I hate it when they flip to the POV cam. What would I use the POV cam for in my uh, normal life? I don't know. Cooking probably.
2: With the sound effects.
1: Yeah.
2: I wrote down, I really think that the POV shots worked because they didn't overdo it. It was just like, whoa, look at that. That's actually really cool. I think I would use it in my day-to-day life for uh, doing like goodbye uh, kiss and hug in the morning Aww. to my family. He'd be like, what? And come close and... Like it would say this, you'd hug your kids like Bolo young,
0: hug that guy to death.
2: That, that is my morning routine every day.
0: That you pick, pick your 17 year old sung up like a baby and gradually try to crush him. We have a complicated relationship. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) How about you, Chris?
0: Uh, I mean, I was thinking like, It would be amazing if you could flip into Kung Fu POV cam mode for like a boring part of your day where you're like, how could I make a Zoom meeting or, you know, like that meeting that just won't end more entertaining by having it in like Kung Fu cam mode and like just have the like overdubbing and like just over the top action going on to just make this terribly dull thing like cheesy and entertaining in some way. But I don't know. Yeah, I I, I think like you, Evan, I'm kind of like, it's cheesy and corny, but kind of delightful in a way. I didn't mind it, but yeah. So I, I, I'm curious for each of you, like this is a movie that has a huge cultural legacy that, that I, in some ways, I wonder whether it is bigger than the movie itself. I, I And I, like, do you think that's the case? Do you think this is a well-earned thing? Do you think this is a, a film that has held up uh, to where it stands in the cultural landscape now versus where it was then?
1: I think that there's a couple of things to tease out of that. And it is, you know, whether or not the film holds up now versus the impact that the film has had. Because I think that that in the case of this film, it has wildly out, sort of outstripped itself in mm-hmm. in terms of its its influence. It has such a massively outsized influence on the things that that come after it. It is one of those things that fundamentally changed action movies. And that really can't be understated. But in the same way as like watching Metropolis or something like that, and then being like, I don't know, Metropolis wasn't as good as aliens. It's, it's really hard to compare Things where it's like this is what this genre, you know, kind of this is the this is the the wellspring of that. Um, yeah. Yep. And so I think when when we're we we have to be mindful of that when we're talking about films that all of the other things sort of stand on the shoulders of. Um. So I think that that. The cultural significance of this film has e- eclipses the film itself. But I think the film itself is still really important to watch so that you know where the things that you like come from.
2: I think that's a great way to put it, because whereas like with Fritz Lang and Metropolis, very few people know the movie or would enjoy watching it today um, but it's had incredible influence on stories and settings uh, in, in so many things being made now. Um, whereas this one, I think it has both. It has had that influence, but it also has had this enduring reputation and, and interest from people. So the fact that it's still here today and we're still talking about it uh, today, I think means that it has in fact deserved its, uh, its reputation. It's not just kind of like one of those that it was important at the time other people built on it and and now we've moved on or we wouldn't still be talking about it today. So I, I think that it has deserved it uh, undoubtedly.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm I'm a little conflicted on this one. I, I think it's, um, you know, incredibly important. I, I didn't love it, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to folks. So I think it's it goes back to like, yeah, you know, uh, Windows was an incredibly important thing in the history of computers. But, you know, I wouldn't recommend anybody goes back and uses the original version of Windows. Uh, So I, I, I think it's a little bit of that for me where it's like, it was really important, really like, you know, huge turning point in the way people uh, viewed stuff or did stuff, but uh,
1: yeah, but you you don't need to to spend, uh, uh, you know, a couple of hours, like, having your having your your uh blood pressure rise by trying to use windows 95 whereas you can watch this <laughs> and be like cool 90 minutes done and uh and and now i get where uh all of those characters from mortal kombat come from.
0: sure uh, and i think it really goes back to um Like, I'm happy to have seen it again. I'll go back to what I said at the beginning where I think I appreciate it more for what it did than what it is. Uh, And I get how, you know, through 50 years now of evolution of of martial arts and action movies, we've come to a very different place. Um, You know, this is just wasn't my jam to begin with. It was an all right movie. It was really cool to see Bruce Lee. And I mean, I think the really the biggest thing for me is like, it would have been really cool to see what came next. And that's what I think the really kind of unfortunate part about all this is, uh, you know, Bruce Lee, this rising star who is incredibly charismatic and just magnetic on screen. Didn't get a chance to kind of do more and like have another 30 years or whatever of making, you know, cool kick ass movies and kind of evolving what he did and the style of the movie. And I mean, imagine what this this guy could have done on, you know, a budget comparable to what they were doing in Hollywood, right? Like it would have been really, really cool to see. And I think that's probably a good place to call it. So that's what we thought about Enter the Dragon. And we'd love to know what you thought about this movie or any other movie that we've watched. You can always find us on Twitter at HowDidYouMissThis. That's H-D-Y-M-T underscore pod. And while you're there, take a look at some of the movies that we're planning on watching soon. Send us any questions or thoughts that you might have about them that you'd like us to cover. Uh, And if you enjoy what we're doing here, do us a favor. Take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to be listening. And we will be back with you next week when we're going to be watching The Fast and the Furious, the movie that launched a mega franchise, and we're going to see if this movie is still Still first over the line or whether it should have stayed missed. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then.